0: I believe in Christ, he is my King, with all my heart to him I'll sing. I'll raise my voice in praise and joy, in grand amens my tongue and
1: Scriptures reveal the divine desires of the Lord in our behalf. Each of us should have a burning
2: desire to search the scriptures diligently and daily to seek the will of the Lord in our life. Brothers and sisters, on very thin pages, thick with meaning, are some almost hidden scriptures.
0: Hence, we are urged to search, feast, and ponder. If you are lonely, please know you can find comfort. If you are discouraged, please know you can find hope. If you are poor in spirit, please know you can be strengthened. If you feel you are broken, please know you can be mended.
2: Welcome back to Go and Do. This week we have Helaman 1 through 6. We're joined by Ryan Kelly. We talk about the pride cycle, as well as what it means to be sanctified and purified by our prayer and fasting, and the importance of building our foundation on Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. The book of Helaman, the first six chapters here, we have a lot of, uh, I don't know, it seems like a really tumultuous time, really contentious. There's a lot of peace, but at the same time, there's a, when there isn't peace, it's really crazy the opposite way, you know? Yeah. Um <laughs> they don't really settle into anything very well or for very long anyway. Um and of course I think the this is where we get like the main parts of the the theme of the Book of Mormon of remembering, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because it just seems like it keeps coming up over and over again that as soon as people start to forget the reason why they prosper and the reason why they are able to progress is when they start to run into problems. And it it's like without fail. And I think Mormon is trying to point that out over and over again, you know, saying, check it out, these people started living really well, and then they started getting prideful and started forgetting and then they had a downfall. So it's pretty it's pretty interesting how we we see the pride cycle happen so many times in just six chapters.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think you know, a thought I had, Dan, is that I think that that is a barrier to progression. You know, kind of just an inability to kind of continue on the path, even when you don't feel that you need to be doing certain things. That I think that, you know, maybe the reason why it is that way is just because Heavenly Father is is trying to teach us a lesson. You know, that that if we're going to become like He is. We have to consistently do the right thing, even when we may not feel that it's that urgent to do it. And, and so I think, you know, it, it's clearly something that, that people have faced at the beginning of the time, this, this cycle. And, and I think what's so unique about the Book of Mormon is it just teaches you how to prevent that cycle, how to just, you know, stay immovable and stay steadfast in, in doing the right thing.
2: Yeah, it's always really easy to humble yourself and, and change your ways when you feel need for help. You know, when things are going really poorly or you're just experiencing a lot of challenges in life, it's really easy to turn to the Lord and ask for help. But when things are going well, it's a lot harder to do that. And I think that's really what it's what it's highlighting here.
1: I I listened to these chapters several times. And it seemed like things were moving pretty quickly. Or mm-hmm. Mormon was writing, kind of just, just it, it, events moved a lot quicker than they did in the previous chapters. Um, and we have Pehoran right off the bat. He he passes. Well, he dies, and he was a righteous leader. Mm-hmm. And then you have his three sons, which were uh, Pehorin, Pe, Panchi, Panchi. And Pakumeni. I don't know. And uh and and then it mentions he has even more sons, but these were the ones that were kind of the front runners to take over to be yeah. the next uh chief judge. And then we're introduced to kind of the Gadiantum robbers through this guy, uh what's his name? Kishkumen, Kishkumen. Yeah. Oriantomer, and then later on Gadiant and and um you know, something something that kind of stuck out to me was how much how important it is for the Nephites and the Lamanites to be able to have their government function and that these these secret combinations ultimately undermined the rule of law kind of thing, right? So he does go to explain that the people at times were ripe for iniquity because they had elected or created unrighteous laws and so on. But then Mormon goes out to explain that, but it was these robbers who kind of just destroyed the entire civilization or not just these specific ones, but this kind of these secret combinations and these way of doing things, which, which I thought was pretty, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's mentioned a lot in the Book of Mormon, and this and we're about to hit one of the biggest highlights, highlight reels of the Gadianton robbers coming up here. And I'm, and I'm just curious why Mormon would include that so, so much for our time, you know, because yeah. we, don't, we don't like to think that that kind of thing happens in our day, but it must happen in our day.
2: Right. It's interesting, though, because not just the individual acts of the Gideon robbers cause problems, but it's like the aftermath. Each time they kill somebody, especially a chief judge, there's kind of a period of chaos mm-hmm. where they're trying... It's almost like they're just trying to muddy the water. They're trying to just stir things up so they can continue to do their nefarious stuff in the background without being so conspicuous, you know? if I If we go in and If we go in and take somebody out, then everyone will be distracted by that and everyone will be focusing on that. And we can continue to do all of this other stuff we're doing in the background. And that, I think, is in so many ways very relevant to today because I think a lot of times, you know, we we see people highlighting certain problems in the world or focusing on certain things so much that they neglect to see the things right in front of them. You know, there here's this huge big problem that's happening in the world that we really need to pay attention to. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But what about in your house? What about in your neighborhood? Are you doing your ministering? You know, are you are you taking are you fellowshipping your the people in your community, you know? That you need to kind of focus on that too. And sometimes we get so distracted by albeit a good thing that we neglect Sometimes more more important things closer to home.
0: Yeah, Dan. Just a quick uh, comment. I remember President Monson. He would often say that you know part of life and part of the purpose of life is to distinguish between what's important and what's not important. And <laughs> and I think that you know often you know just because of technology and because of social media and because of cable news that that often we just pay way too much attention, we allocate way too much of our mental energy on things that are not really that critical for our own well-being. And, and, and I think that, you know, it goes back to good, better, best, that, that some of those things do deserve our attention, but how much of our attention do they, do they truly deserve? And I think that, you know, that's clearly a tool of the adversaries to get us to, to not have as much energy focused on the things that are most, most critical.
1: Yeah. Well, even in here, I mean there comes a time when uh, uh Helaman is Helaman the son of Helaman is chief judge and then his son Nephi becomes chief judge for a little bit but then he kind of decides well they they combat these these robbers by strengthening the people by yep. preaching the word by by teaching them to be Uh, obedient to the commandments and then that's where through their obedience they are greatly blessed even at a point where it tells us that even the leaders of the church were astonished how greatly blessed they were because they were being obedient they were being good but then slowly by little by little you know the pride starts to creep in and because of the pride and, and it's funny because it in the whole book of mormon you can kind of feel like the good guys are always outnumbered. Yeah. But but they are strong and they win the battles they need as long as they're doing what's right. And then uh, and then right here you you basically see a, a time where they stop doing what's right and they are very outnumbered and they are about to get they're in deep trouble, you know.
0: Yeah, and I I think one thought I had was in you know, in Helaman 5, when Nephi and Lehi are imprisoned, it's there that we realize that, that even though they've been small in number in mortality, that they've actually had this huge team on the other side of the veil. And, and I think that that's powerful, is that when we feel small in number, because as we try to do what's right, we can always be strengthened by the thought that, you know, well, we've got a team— on the other side of the bell because we're, we're tapping into that spiritual power.
2: Definitely. And I think it's, you know, we might not be surrounded by a pillar of fire and stuff like that, but, but we are surrounded by the Holy ghost when we're doing what's right. And it can serve not only as a guidance to us, but also as we do things that the Lord would have us do through the Holy ghost, we can affect others significantly. And so, like when I was saying, focus on those nearest you, you know, and don't, or at least not neglecting those nearest you. Right. That, that's part of that. That's like, if you want to have a, a huge positive influence on people, start by interacting in a positive way with those around you. Start with being charitable. Start with being Christ like with those next to you because they will see not only you but they will also just feel the influence of the spirit like it it's not so much about you know how people perceive you as it is the testimony that they'll receive and the the positive feelings that they'll feel and then that will make them want to do good as well which is exactly what happened with the lamanites in this scenario they saw these two guys and what an impressive thing that must have been but at the same time we know that the big signs don't convert people. It was the impression that they felt and
1: mm-hmm.
2: the need to change that made them be converted,
0: right?
1: Mm-hmm. I really like how in uh, Helaman chapter 3, in verse 21, it it says, um, well, in verse 20, we can start there. Helaman did feel the judgment seat in justice and equity, and he kept the commandments of God. Uh And he did whatever was right in the sight of God continually and walked after the way of his father. And then in 21, and it came to pass that he had two sons. And he gave unto the eldest, the name Nephi, and unto the youngest, the name Lehi. And they began to grow up unto the Lord. And then it talks about some of their contentions in in 22 and 23. And there was continual peace established in the land. And... In all they were kind of all united, the Nephites and Lamanites, except for right there in the middle of 23, where it says, save it where the secret combinations with the Gadianton robbers had established in the more in the more settled parts of the land. So it kind of you get this feeling like that they they were kind of in the outskirts, you know, just, just but they were barely surviving out there in 24 Um, it came to pass that this same year there was exceedingly great prosperity in the church in so much that there were thousands who did join themselves unto the church and were baptized and so great was the prosperity in 25 and the one that I, I want to point out that I really, really like is 27 and thus we see that the Lord is merciful unto all who will in their sincerity of their hearts call upon his holy name Thus we see that the gate of heaven is open to all, even to all those who will believe in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. And I really like that because for so long we have felt like it's Nephi versus Lamanite. It's Nephites versus Lamanites. And now we introduce a third party, Nephites versus Lamanites versus getting into robbers. And and it's kind of trying to show us that the Lord's love will will help and will accept anyone who's willing to change their ways anyone you know and um and the, the funny thing is, is sometimes those who should know better don't act better and those who you think are ignorant they just they or or are bloodthirsty or are sinners end up being some of the most righteous ones you you read verses 27 and 28
0: and You know, and then if you continue in 29, I mean, I just think the language of verse 29 is so powerful. You know how it says, yea, we see that whosoever will may lay hold upon the word of God, which is quick and powerful, which shall divide asunder all the cunning and the snares and the wiles of the devil, and lead the man of Christ in a straight, narrow course across that everlasting gulf of misery, which is prepared to engulf the wicked. And then verse 30, and land their souls, yea, their immortal souls at the right hand of God in the kingdom of heaven to sit down with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob and with all our Holy Fathers to go no more out. (laughs) And I just think, I mean, we we just go back again and again to the fundamentals of the gospel and, and those verses, you know, teach that the, you know, fundamentals include earnest prayer, faith in Jesus Christ, and then diligent scripture study. And that if we do those things consistently, I mean, that promise is amazing that we can, you know, sit down with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. I mean, it just seems almost hard to imagine that that just following that simple path consistently can lead to that outcome. And but but then it says to go no more out. And yeah. and so there will come a time where we've, you know, hopefully proven ourselves and and progressed to the point where we don't need to worry about this cycle again, that we've, you know, we've kind of gotten the the bad habit of of forgetting out of us, and that we've uh, become what Heavenly Father wanted us to become.
2: Yeah, and in, in verse 35, it kind of explains how how to accomplish that, how to stay with that. Nevertheless, they did fast and pray oft, and did wax stronger and stronger in their humility, and firmer and firmer in the faith of Christ, unto the filling their souls with joy and consolation. Yea, even to the purifying and the sanctification of their hearts, which sanctification cometh because of their yielding their hearts unto God. And that's really what it is. Is It's saying, I have so little control over everything around me. All I can do is control myself. Mm-hmm. And that includes fasting, and that includes remembering God through prayer, and being humble. And once I do that stuff, I'm showing the Lord, hey... Thy will is thy will, and I'll do whatever thou would ask me to do. And I'm 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 willing to be humble enough to be obedient. And at that point, you're you're basically following a path of repentance continually. And then it's talking about that purification and sanctification of your hearts. Like we think that it's these huge gestures of goodwill or of, you know, I I'm going to be I'm going to renounce myself to silence and live in the mountains and only focus on the scriptures you know it's like no you know what just fast and pray and be humble and be nice you know like that's how you start to have this purification of yourself and the sanctification is that you're showing i i'm just going to do my best to to do the basics right
1: we have great examples of that i mean we have captain moroni we have uh, Maura and I have, we have Lehi, both Lehi's, the, the Army General Lehi and this Lehi, you know, we have Alma the Younger, Alma the Elder, we have all of these men who lived in times where they had choices. They they, they could have, in some instances, they could have continued in, in, in bad paths, but, but chose to be awakened, chose to change. And others that were good from the beginning and, and, and both were equal and great in the sight of the Lord. You know, I, I really think it's interesting that the natural man or the world kind of values certain things as it's almost like certain aspects are are or characteristics are given such... Um, Value that the mm-hmm. Lord does not value those things. So, for example, the, 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 the these robbers, they valued power and greed mm-hmm. and, and being able to protect each other. And, and you look at Moroni, Moroni and Captain Moroni, and so many times he would say, I, I do not delight in bloodshed. I delight in protecting my people and helping them have freedom. And in that verse you read in verse 35... Uh, uh, Daniel, where he says they did wax stronger and stronger in their humility. Can mm-hmm. you imagine if we looked at humility as an as a tremendous strength, mm-hmm. like, as a tremendous character strength to be humble? But in the world, that's not viewed as a strength. Oftentimes, it's viewed as a weakness. Yep. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and I think it's. I think in part it's because, um, the world doesn't fully understand the definition of the, of the word humble. That I think the world thinks of humility as kind of timidness that, that the person is timid and weak when, when actually it just simply means it's someone who, you know, who feels a dependence on God and who, you know, who recognizes that, uh, you know, that he or she needs Heavenly Father and is willing to do Heavenly Father's will.
2: Yeah, or, or they think of humility as humiliation.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: that you, you are humble when you have been corrected or when you have been uh, chastised. And that definitely is an outcome sometimes when the Lord has chastised his people. But you don't have to wait to be chastised in order to be humble. You know you can you can be humble without having to uh, be reprimanded, and I think right. um, that even then the difference between being reprimanded by the Lord and and fixing your ways is different from being humiliated. Humiliation is a very negative and and destructive feeling, right? Whereas humility is a recognition of higher power and a recognition of like you said dependence and reliability on someone else and that's that's a very different concept from humiliation. That that means you you just be quiet and go away, you know? And that's not what the Lord's asking us to do. He's not just saying, you know what, just blindly obey and be quiet. No, he's saying be valiant, be strong. Strong in your humility, you know, be willing to have the patience to to listen and to obey, and also the humility to understand that you can be a very powerful instrument if you follow what I'm asking. And I think that's really cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of goes back to, you know, the Lord wants his people to be an enzyme, you know, to all nations, right? Yeah. To be mm-hmm. the standard, to be the salt of the earth, you know? And, and oftentimes we think, we don't, we don't get the imagery that a standard is up there. It's flying high, it's bold. It there's no confusion of what it is, right? And and I think sometimes we think humility means I'm gonna stay quiet, I'm going to like be timid. And and I mean I'm not saying we don't have to be overbearing, we don't have to be rude, we don't have to go and attack people and start fights and start you know arguing online, but it should be very clear hey no, I I think this is what's right. You'll know you know what how passionate you need to be, and in some cases there are some individuals that you you'll never you know you don't need to get into anything or or you'll share your beliefs and they'll just mock them and that's okay. We think that the outcome that only perfect outcomes are acceptable, and if we don't have perfect outcomes, therefore we we must have not been on the Lord's errand, you know. You look at the people, the anti-Nephi-Lehites. Their outcome was, hey, we're going to bury our weapons of war. And if our brothers and sisters come and kill us, so be it. <laughs> and a lot of them did die before the Nephites, I mean, the Lamanites decided, you know, we need to stop this. This is right. And, and we don't see that in our lives that sometimes, hey, we're going to go do what's right. And it's gonna appear as if it wasn't immediately a miraculous outcome
0: well well, I think uh you know you make a really good point, and something I've thought of is that when we disobey when we make a bad choice, it's not always that the the bad outcome happens immediately. you know often it takes a period of time for that to be realized, you know for us to receive the fruits of the, of that. Uh, disobedience, and on the flip side, when we try to turn to God and when we try to you know, repent and try to do what 's right, often it takes time before we we see the blessing and I think that 's where faith comes in because if, if whenever we made a bad choice, if we immediately received this horrible um, punishment from that, well we, we would never do it and and on the flip side, if every time we did a simple act of of faith or an act of goodness or righteousness, we immediately received this incredible blessing, you know, then we would always do that. And I think agency wouldn't really play much of a role in this. And I think we wouldn't have that, uh, that exercise of faith that is required to develop true uh, lasting character. So I just, your, your comments made me just think of that you know, that reality that, that I think we need to remember that, hey, when we try to do the right thing, when we try to repent and try to get more on the path, you know, we're, we're venturing into a journey that takes time and it takes faith. And we need to, you know, capture the fruits of that often in little, you know, little pieces and and, and not expect this huge, you uh, that just this huge change or this huge blessing to come immediately, and and to get, and to be patient and, and to give things time.
1: Definitely, you know we're we're kind of in a pandemic, mm-hmm. and 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 whether you know we're all being affected one way or another through socially being away from people. That, that's if you're a if you're a social butterfly, it could be really a difficult time. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, there's economy there's work everybody's job is changing somehow you know and uh, but we're asked to continue to minister, continue to have uh, uh the sacrament at home or at the local church if if that's allowed right if if it's safe and and to continue to and, and our prophet has given us several updates where he says. I'm very optimistic. We're going to get through this. Everything's going to be all right. We just need to watch out for each other and take precautions, right? And it's it's a time when you're tempted to just despair, you know, or just to just sometimes even mumble and grumble. And, and we need to remember that uh, if we do what's right, it's all going to work out. It's interesting how in here there were a, several. There was one time in particular where... Yeah, uh, the pride started to uh, creep in, and then the first they said, you know, in this year, pride started among mm-hmm. some individuals in the church, but everything was fine. In the second year, it got a little bit worse. In the third year, a little bit worse. In the fourth year, they're all apostates. All this, right? <laughs> and and it was it was <laughs> interesting to me because as I heard it, I thought, wow, that took four years, and as we read it, that seems really fast. Yeah, but then I, but then I thought. Well, if I introduce a bad habit into my life, I decide, you know, I don't know, start casting or, or start looking at pornography or something, right? The first month, everything may feel fine. Or yeah. the first year. And the second year, something's a little bit off. And, ah, well, we'll deal with it. And the third year and the fourth. And then you find yourself, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And it's just as simple. For them, it was like, they were so blessed. They started to judge those who didn't have what they had or weren't as well off. And from there on, it just it was a trickle effect. And sometimes we think, oh, this one sin, it isn't bad. I'm not killing anybody. It's not, you know, it's just a little thing. But that little thing leads to another thing, and that leads to another thing and another one. And before you know it, you are doing something that's very bad.
2: That's kind of what... I think Helaman was trying to instill in his sons as I think he's seeing all this kind of stuff happening around them and how it's a very gradual thing. And in chapter five, when he kind of goes on and gives them a, a, an amazing lecture, (laughs) I think he's basically trying to say, I I can see what's happening in society and in our community. And I just need to remind my sons of what's going to keep them Safe spiritually and and even physically. I think verse seven. It's so short and so simple, but I I absolutely love it. Therefore, my sons, I would that ye should do that which is good, that it may be said of you and also written, even as it has been said and written of them. And he's talking about the original Lehi and Nephi, but just that that phrase. I would that ye should that you should do that which is good. Do good things so that. When people mention you, that's what they think of. They think of good things, and they write good things about you. And I think that that's so simple, but then he goes on, you know, and it's all these remembering things. Remember the words which King Benjamin spake unto his people in verse 9. Remember that there's no way or means whereby a man can be saved, only through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, who shall come. Remember the words which Amulek spoke to, unto Zeezrom. So he's basically walking them through the scriptures again. And kind of saying, you know these stories. Remember why this matters. Why we have this. And then, of course, it culminates in the famous scripture, which is Helaman five twelve. And I kind of wanted to talk about that one because there's so many parts to it, and it's it, it, man, it's like a and little.
0: Dan, and Dan, would you say top five scripture in the Book of Mormon? I mean, if you, <laughs> I mean, not that we rank, but I, <laughs> but I, I gotta believe this is a you know a top five scripture. You know, in, Definitely. Terms of, in terms of how, you know, how much of an impact it's had on people.
2: And it really kind of, like, like I mentioned before, it encapsulates the theme of remember that the Book of Mormon keeps coming back to. And now, my sons, remember, remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that you must build your foundation, that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, Yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe. Because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. I just think how many times do people, especially recently, feel like they're in that whirlwind, you know, and there's shafts going around and there's so many things that we can look in the world today that are detrimental to us, to our families, to um, society as a, great, a bigger whole. And what is it? What's the solution? There's lots of things we try to implement, different programs, uh, different campaigns, different whatever. But it's like you know, when it comes down to it, where is your foundation? What is your? What are you based on? What is your focus? What are you remembering day after day? And a lot of those. Programs, campaigns, whatever—they have good intentions, and they're not bad. And we should probably uh, support those that that we that we feel um, align with our beliefs. But at the same time, it's like, what's the foundation built on? We have to make sure that we remember mm-hmm. that the only way we're yeah. going to pre- proceed is through Christ.
1: The, there's, I really like that that whole section you just shared because to me, this was like the, one of the pinnacle moments of this lesson because we're we're even and even the previous lessons we're seeing this build up of of what's going to happen these wars uh people falling away joining the church falling away joining the church you know and then i felt a lot when i was reading these scriptures that there were a lot of types and foreshadows to our day Mm -hmm. like what we're living through through things like from, from political things to social things to religious things, there were a lot of things that, and then you would think, well, what should we do about it? What can we do about it? What can be done? And it's right here, it's what Helaman tells his sons. And H- Helaman, he knows, he knows these secret combinations. He knows all the whirlwinds out there. He knows all, the, all of it. They are not ignorant to those things. But what does he choose to say? Build your foundation on Christ. And, and it's, uh, it's just so good. Because once you build that, then he tells them action things to do that involve others in 13 and 14. Then you can go preach and teach and yeah. influence others. I think it's a really good set of events. Because even at the beginning, he begins with, I'm naming you after Lehi and Nephi. Because you're going to be surrounded in a world and you're going to fight a group of people who continuously think that they were wronged by these individuals, <laughs> you know? And we, we've read that several times, that they think that Lehi and Nephi wrong Laman and Lemuel. And even this Coriantumr before in, in verse, I think, 2, we read that uh, he was a descendant of, of, uh, of the Amalekites, I think. Mm-hmm. And they were this, this uh, what was it, deserters? They they were once Nephites. And they believe all of these wrongs, all these things, you know, and that's why we need to force you guys to be subservient to us or we're going to wipe you off the face of the earth. And, and once he lets them know, you know, at the end of verse 6, and when you remember them, you may remember their works, and when you remember their works, you may know that it was said and it was also written that they were good. And that's a big fallacy that, that in their time, there were a group of individuals who were ch- trying to change history. They were misinterpreting it. They were carrying hate and anger, perpetuating it from generation to generation, trying to say these Nephites are always in the wrong and they've been wronging us for a long time. And the ones that can forgive and can judge the Nephites for what they were, join the church, you know, and would say, hey, you know, great. And and I don't know. That really stuck out to me is that the reason why he named them the way he did and his emphasis to remember that there's going to you're going to be surrounded by individuals who are going to tell you that these individuals were not good, that they cheated your ancestors. Mm -hmm. and he says, no, they are good, and you need to be good as well. <laughs> I think the,
2: the main part about verse 12, like the practical application of it, I think is think about not only what, what your focus is on, but also how you react when something bad happens.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How do you react when a crisis happens? What's your first thought or your first action? And is it utter devastation? Is it to start getting angry or to start getting totally despondent? You know, like, what what do you do? I think the natural man first response when some crisis happens is to probably feel bad to be thrown around in that whirlwind. But if you have a foundation in Christ, that shouldn't last too long. You should be able to say, okay, Holy cow! What's going on? Now I, I need to I need to seek guidance and help, and then you can turn to the Lord in prayer and fasting, like they did, and and kind of receive greater guidance and at least peace and at least know that you're not on your own to figure this out. That's that's partly for me what it means to have your foundation built on Christ. Is you know how easily am I shaken from my faith? How easily am I shaken from being able to say okay? Whatever it is that's happening right now, I I, I know that I can handle this. Maybe not on my own, but with the help of the Lord, we're going to be okay.
1: Mm -hmm. It's funny you say that because I think about how many times in the scripture a prophet reminds either people or their sons. Remember when we were the children (laughs) of Israel, you know, and, and the pillar of fire, the fiery serpents, the crossing over the river. Remember this, remember that, remember. Because... I think, especially in our day, despair tends to look at a problem that comes up and it it's almost like it, it's, it gets added upon the previous problem. It's like the aggregate. All of these mm. problems until you become overburdened, overwhelmed, and you're like, oh, well, life sucks, then you die. You know, why are, you know, and, and you kind of, you lose your optimism, you lose your ability. We're all of these individuals face problems, but you face one at a time. I I just feel like in today's world, especially there's been a lot of conversations, how all the things that have gone wrong in 2020, you know, for Mm -hmm. us, you know, it started with this, it started with a bushfire, it started with this and, and, and and then this, and, and and it it just seems like when you look at it that way, it feels overwhelmingly horrible. But then if you at the church, things what have what has happened in the last few years oh well we've gotten to come follow me we've gotten a new youth curriculum we've gotten youth to participate even greater in the temple you know we we've been able to lower the mission age you know there's all of these other positives that you can look at and if you aggregate those you can say wow this is really shaping up to be something really wonderful coming (laughs) well
2: also i think whenever there's a crisis we tend to think only in terms of What's to come? What does Mm -hmm. the future hold? This terrible thing, now we can't do this. Or that sets us back for the future and all of our plans and goals are changed. And it's like, okay, it's good to be able to analyze how that will affect you long term going forward. But it's also just as equally good to look at, well, what happened last time there was a problem? What happened last time there was a crisis? How did we overcome that? What did we do well and what did we do poorly? And what can we do better this time so that we can either overcome it better or that we can do that again so that we can, we can overcome it and move forward? I just think that a lot of times we, we tend to focus too much on the future and the prophets are always reminding us, look, remember when this happened? Remember when that happened? This is a similar situation, maybe not identical. There might be different uh, context involved here, but what is your foundation built on? What are your actions going to be day to day? How do you come out of this? Well, it, by doing these basics, fasting, prayer, reading the scriptures, um, having family home evening, ministering to others. You will start to receive blessings. And like we mentioned earlier, it may not be immediate. It may not you know, instantly solve all of your problems. But that's where the faith comes in. And that's where you know, long suffering comes in. And we show the Lord, hey, I'm willing to be humble. I'm willing to be obedient so that I can receive blessings again.
0: You know, as we go beyond verse 12 and then we read about uh, Nephi and Lehi being imprisoned, and then (laughs) kind of the miraculous thing that happens where, uh, you know, they are it's as if they have the face of angels and that the Lamanites just, you know, a group of them just sees this incredible spiritual power emanating from them yeah Uh, you know i've I've been thinking a lot about verse 41 how it says um or or sorry verse 40 and 41 how it says and it came to pass that the lamanites said unto him what shall we do that this cloud of darkness may be removed from overshadowing us yeah and then it says you you must repent and cry unto the, the voice even until you shall have faith in christ and and i think that you know, I I heard a quote that it's easier to act our way into a different way of feeling than to feel our way into a different way of acting. And when I, when I read that verse, you know, repent, and then you'll eventually get faith in Christ. I thought, well, wait, the order there is, is wrong. You know, isn't it, you know, the first principle is faith and the second principle is repentance. (laughs) But I think sometimes when we're, you know, when we're in a state of true darkness where we're just in a really bad spot. Like we just can't say, well, I'm going to wait until I feel more faith in Christ and then I'll start to change my behavior. I I think when you're in a position like that, you need to say, Hey, no, I have to start making these changes that I know deep down I need to make. And then as you do that, then the miracle of faith, uh, comes about and it. It reminds me of, I I read a, um, Enzyme article on my mission by a friend of my dad's, uh, Bruce Porter, who he was in the 70, and he passed away at a young age from uh, just many health problems, and he, he wrote this article in the Enzyme in the late 90s where he he made the point that the, the first principles and ordinances of the gospel, we, we tend to think of them as first, meaning sequential. Right. It's like, okay, these are the first, and then once we do those, then we can move on to you know, maybe the temple and maybe some other things, but but he said first actually what it means is it means fundamental. And and right. so, you know, faith and repentance, it's not well, you need to first have faith and then you need to repent. You know, sometimes what we need to do is actually the opposite. It's repent and then you know, and then the faith can can begin to be developed.
2: Definitely. I think it's interesting to to also know who is it that's telling them to do this. Mm-hmm. In verse 35, now there was one among them who was a Nephite by birth who had once belonged to the church of God but had dissented from them. And in verse 39, now the man's name was Aminadab. And Aminadab said unto them, they do converse with the angels of God. This is a man who is an inactive member. Yeah. And who is suddenly faced with the truth again and he's recognizing it. And this is yeah. Wow. Well, sorry. <laughs> this is a moment of redemption for this guy. I think. I think this is a moment where he's really recognizing, "Holy cow! What have I been doing?" Yeah. They do converse with the angels of God. He tells them, and that's when they ask us, "What do we do?" And they turn to him for guidance. This guy who hasn't, who's a dissenter, right? And that's when he tells him, "Here's what you have to do. You've got to repent." And I think part of me thinks he's talking about himself. Yeah, you must repent and cry unto the voice, even until they have faith, in, until ye shall have faith in Christ. He's saying, "That's what we need to do." He's saying it you, because he's answering them. But I think also he's thinking about himself. This is what I need to do. I have yeah. to change. No, I have to repent. I had the faith and I still do, but I got to change, you know?
0: And Dan, I think what's so powerful is that, I mean, I think that there's so many, I mean, so many of us in the church, you know, maybe we experience this at different levels where we have forgotten the joy of the gospel. Like it's in us, like it's in our memory, but it's not at the forefront of our memory. And when we see people doing the right thing and people living the gospel fully, and we witness that, then it kind of brings that memory more to the forefront and we see with greater clarity. And I think that's what happened to to Aminadab that he you know that he you know, he saw that manifestation of spiritual power and it just brought all these things that he knew to the forefront where in that moment he could, he could think with such, with such clarity. But I, I think you just make a really good point that, that when he says, you must repent, you know, he was also saying, I must repent and, 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 and get, and, and, and I think he probably was thinking, you know, what am I doing? You know, you know, I'm missing <laughs> out on, on so many of these blessings. And I think, you know, that happens all the time with returned missionaries, you know, that they, the They think back, you know, that they have these periods where they look back and they say, those who have kind of fallen away, look back on their mission and they'll have times where they say, yeah, that mission was kind of a waste. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was naive and, and boy, I just went along and, and, and then they'll have a spiritual nudge or a spiritual experience. And then, and then they'll think, wait a second, that was an incredible two years. The experiences I had were unbelievable and the peace and the light that I felt was unbelievable and I would do anything to get that back. And and that's why it's so important that we live lives of influence where we do our ministering and where we serve in the church because that will give us the opportunity to have our lights shine and and we can touch people who are like Aminadab. And and help them to slowly begin begin that journey back.
2: And if and if you know people or if you are an Aminadab, right, know that you can not only can you come back to the truth, but the Lord needs you as an instrument to convert others. Mm-hmm. That you're not. It's not you're not long long lost in this moment. I mean, this is a guy who in that moment was probably being reconverted to the gospel and was at the same time helping convert others and i think oftentimes we think well the only way that i can be an effective missionary or the only way that i can have a great impact on others is if i am just absolutely a dynamo that i'm stalwart that i have a perfect testimony and understanding of everything and i don't think he did but he knew enough to know first we got to repent and then we need to have faith you know, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that, Let's start that,
1: there. It Comes <laughs> yeah. back a little bit to w- the the that scripture. You know, the Lord looketh upon the heart. Man 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 seeth for outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon. Me. But this is very similar to the story in Alma chapter seventeen twenty nineteen twenty, where Ammon and Aaron teach King Lamoni, and then teach King Lamoni's father. Mm -hmm. And then I forget the name of the servant. Uh, She was a woman who was Nephi by birth, and she knew what they were talking about. And when everybody had fallen to the ground, she kind of, the people were, oh, something's going on. She goes, no, no, this is something good. And she has a moment to testify to them and kind of helps I don't know. It, it's very similar to, to that situation, which to me, I really like because, like you guys are saying, it means that everyone is accounted for for the Lord. Yeah. And, and who's to say that this individual didn't have to be in that situation so he would have this opportunity, you know? And, and sometimes we think that what I like to say is, yes, we have agency and yes, we make mistakes but the savior can turn our mistakes into opportunities and successes through repentance. You can learn from your mistakes. Uh, where the, as the world would like for you to feel like a mistake is fatal, you're tainted, you'll never be the same. You, mm-hmm. you know, you there's no coming back. Right. <laughs> which, which creates even more anxiety and creates it, it's like um uh, like you were saying before with with faith and fear. You know, mm-hmm. what you need to move. Faith will get you moving. And sometimes I think it's one of the blessings of having our mortal body and our spirit together. Sometimes our spirit can pull our mortal body to do things. And sometimes we need our mortal body and our actions to pull our spirit along. Mm. And they're both important like sometimes you just need to go on a walk just just go on the walk yeah and as you go on that walk you'll have a time where you can now think clearly and sometimes you need to just slow down and not do anything and just think clearly and then get your actions in shape you know it's it it goes both ways and Mm -hmm. and i don't know you know
0: I, i i just looked up a general conference quote that that applies to some of the things we've We've been discussing, this is 2003 General Conference, I think April, and it's by Elder, then Elder Iring, and he's talking about missionary work and sharing the gospel. And he says, To be part of that miracle, you must not wait until you feel closer to Heavenly Father or until you are sure that you have been purified through the atonement of Christ. Pray for the chance to encounter people who sense that there could be something better in their lives. Pray to know what you should do to help them. Your prayers will be answered. You will meet people prepared by the Lord. And then he says, and you will, um, and then in time you will feel yourself drawing closer to your heavenly father and you will feel the cleansing and the forgiveness the Savior promises his faithful witnesses. And, and I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that Aminadab is such a, just a powerful example that, you know, all of us can do better, you know, and, and all of us feel like we, you know, could be more purified and more clean and more worthy and, and, and a better servant of Heavenly Father and of Jesus Christ. And, and I think that, you know, if we feel a prompting to do something, if we feel a prompting to testify of the Lord's servants, you know, or a prompting to share the gospel you know, we should we should act on that. And and we shouldn't say, well, you know, I need to really get I, I really need to improve in this area or improve in that area. And then I can and then I can do it. No, you know, Elder Eyring and, uh, you know, in the Book of Mormon prophets, they, you know, teach so clearly that that no, you should if you feel prompting to do something like that, just do it. And then you'll get that cleansing and that purifying that that Healman 335 will, will come about because if you just, if you just wait <laughs> until you feel pure, totally purified, you, you're never going to do these things that you, <laughs> that you need to do.
1: Let me throw one more thing out there. Yeah. and then I, I would like, you know, this, um, I, I struggle saying his name, Aminadab.
0: I think you he, got it.
1: Yeah. I think I think it's it's very easy for us to especially in the church um to create almost like levels of church purity mm-hmm. or 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 we we talk about we we almost have like this imagined path what what the ideal path for a young man is he goes he becomes an Eagle Scout. He does the things. He goes on a mission, comes back, gets married in the temple, uh, becomes a bishop, state president, and heaven opens up and he floats up, you know, (laughs) in his last days, right? And although that would be great, but that's not the path for everybody. You know, that's not what, you know, the ideal is what we should all shoot for. But the reality is, Some come from broken homes, some come from broken uh, lives, uh, from addiction, from problems. And all of these people, to not accept someone's change and repentance is to deny ourselves of our own repentance. Mm -hmm. And we need to be very careful because that's where we need to cultivate having charity and having that pure love of Christ. And seeing others, I, I could, how, how many, you know, we know Alma the Younger and the Sons of Mosiah, how many individuals didn't listen to them because they say, well, you guys were actually pretty bad, so <laughs> I don't believe or or, or you're second class members. But we need to be very careful because it doesn't matter when you, you are part of the fold, you're part of the team, and we're all in this together. The Book of Mormon is truly the keystone of our religion, and that a man and
0: woman will get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book.
1: And if you then go and do what he would have you do, your power to trust him will grow, and in time, you will be overwhelmed with gratitude to find that he has come to trust you. There is no end to the good we can do, to the influence we can have with others.
2: Let us not dwell on the critical or the negative. Let us pray for strength. Let us pray for capacity and desire to assist others. Let us radiate the light of the gospel
0: at all times and in all places, that the spirit of the Redeemer may radiate from us. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the
1: covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He invites us to come
0: follow me.